another great episode. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, Dan on top. Today we've got an incredible guest, coach, investor, mentor, and founder of Linny Enterprises, Austin Linny. Austin, how you doing, my friend? Doing good, my brother. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Um, I was warned you're going to make this episode a lot of fun. Maybe you'll give me a little hard time, and I am game for it. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. So let's jump in a little bit about you. Who is Austin Linney? Tell our viewers who you are and what you do. Oof, that's, a, that's a very interesting conversation. You know, for me, I've uh, been in the real estate game for about five years, uh, maybe six years, give or take. We run an Airbnb management company. But a lot of who I am and who I've become is – I fought uh, addiction and alcoholism for many years, almost 20 plus years, two years sober, uh, have lost north of 65 pounds. So it's really defined who I am through the trials and tribulations of the obstacles in my life. Excellent. Well, well, first of all, congratulations. And second of all, thank you for your authenticity and your vulnerability and your willingness to share that with our audience. Uh, I Mad respect, mad props, and you know, just keep it up. Keep up the great work, my friend. For sure, my man. So tell us a little bit about what you do from uh, an investing perspective and a, and a business and real estate perspective. Well, we uh, have invested in the San Antonio market. I, I was working in the hospitality industry and we we bought a house. It took me many years to get over the first real estate investment. That was like we had deals fall through, all these things. And then once I got over that initial hurdle, we bought three houses in the span of nine months. Um, so it was a real quick uh, learning curve. And then we turned all those houses into Airbnb properties. And, and then we took a management company across the United States and we managed 26 properties in seven states um, wow. uh, back in 2019. Yeah. Wow, great. So you have your own Airbnbs and then you also have properties that you're managing in seven different states. Yeah, well, we used to. I, I, I have left that company and started my own. Okay. So now we work with uh, investors only, like, uh, and I have still have one myself, but uh, we manage large scale projects. So I have a client closing in on a couple houses in Montana on a lake, and then we're doing another project in Colorado. So it really is these larger scale, dig your heels in multiple uh, buildings on the property. So, so we're, we're trying to go for uh, quantity or quality, not quantity. We're trying to, get back into more of a where we can handle it and we're not we don't have 30 properties everywhere okay now are those like what kind of developments are those so some of the th things that we looked at is actually kind of cool stuff one is talking about doing teepees um, so it'd be large scale like high-end teepees um, with shipping container hotels okay that's awesome so and then yeah and then the other one that he's doing in Montana is more of a your traditional lake house but there's four houses together. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of moving parts when you're talking about. So you're, in essence, you're running a hotel on the fly, pretty much. Okay, great. Wow, that's that's very interesting. So, you know, I know you and I have talked a little bit about, the, you know, some of the difference, differences between single-family residential and commercial. You know, I myself, I got my start house hacking and, and, and flipping houses in and around the city of Detroit, single-family residential. And now I'm, you know, exclusively on the commercial side. What would you say uh, is the biggest gap between single-family residential and, you know, straight commercial that most investors don't understand? I think the biggest thing is that people don't even understand the mechanics of commercial. 
right? It seems the prices are higher. There's more tenants, you know, or there's large scale multifamily. In essence, if you boil it down and you're trained by the right people, it really is no difference because what I think about commercial is it's more, in my opinion, now that might be a, a buzzword right now. I think it's more stable over the long run because businesses need a place to do business. Mm -hmm. Whereas single family, you know, uh, a business can go under in a town and change the entire uh, landscape of, of the real estate in the town. So it's, it's a tricky thing. I would think that not enough people know about it, but under, but understand like the triple net lease and all those things, they just don't know the difference. Sure. So it's kind of a lack of knowledge. is a big part of it. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, lack of knowledge slash. Yeah. Go ahead. No, all you. No, I was just saying lack of knowledge slash, you know, how do you, until I'm around you and, 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 uh, more, I learn more about commercial. It's not talked about as much as SFR. You know, if you're around at the bar or you're hanging out with your buddies, like, more people flip or own. So it's just one of those things where you have to just get around those circles. Yeah, that's interesting. Because for me, you know, I'm in it all day, all night. So I just kind of, you know, I eat, sleep, and breathe it. It's interesting perspective <laughs> exactly. to hear that, that that's not exactly how it is for everybody. So what would you say are some low-hanging fruit in, in the commercial space and in commercial investing that people aren't aware of? And what I, I was listening to a big developer the other day, and he was talking about some of the projects, let's say it's an A location in Arizona or, or in California where they were, where they were negotiating on a price in March of last year. They just closed on the same building for half a basis point in a better location. Mm. And so those, those commercial tenants or, or landlords that were being playing hardball in March after COVID, and they locked in longer leases with better terms. So I think there's some there's some scale up where you could get maybe a nicer location or building because they're wanting that firm tenant uh, because the retail space is a little shaky right now because of COVID. So you're kind of saying capitalizing on on a little bit of the uncertainty or a little bit of the challenges that have gone on uh, over the last eight to ten months. The best investing time is when there's uncertainty in the market. Yeah, no if, question. If you if you work hard, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you've had experience in both uh, value add as well as new construction. What do you think? Like, walk us through the differences and what you think is better today. I tell you what, one of the things that draws me to new construction is I've never been the type of guy that wants, I don't want to fight with 20 other dudes trying to flip the same house. You know, they're trying to buy the same house. Trying, mm -hmm. Like, what I've noticed in new construction is when you go to buy a piece of land or you're going to build it, you might get a discount on the land because it's been sitting for a while, but you also control the project from start to finish. Mm -hmm. It just seems very, a lot more organized to me with less of kind of the unknown, which is different when you're opening up a 1910 property, you know, you're like, Oh my God, the foundation, this, so, you know, and like, that's a way different than like, Hey, we go get this brand new wood, this brand new electricity. You know, I just, yeah. it's it, my brain, it works better for me. Okay. So. Yeah, I definitely hear that. There definitely have been. Now, I can tell you, as someone who's flipped a ton of single-family residential, the things that you find between the studs are absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in, in all of your, your, your background and, and experiences, share with us some of the, the best lessons that you've learned. The, one of the best lessons I've ever learned was um, when I flew across the country to make, meet my mentor, um, who was a lot farther ahead than I was. 
he looked me dead in the face and he said, you and I are no different. He said, I just got surrounded by better people earlier and was more focused. He says, you can do everything I'm going to do. And for me, that was really the aha moment that we all have something great inside of us as long as we believe it in our hearts first. Yeah, no question about that. I think that that you know, I firmly believe that inner reality creates external reality, and the only thing that limits us are our beliefs, right? So limiting beliefs limit us in reality. And if if we're, I know that in my experience, the moment that I say that something is possible, it's almost already done. And and that's just a valuable lesson. That's something that I wish I would have, have learned earlier. But at the same time, I'm I feel you know a little bit empowered and liberated that 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 I'm aware of that. And I kind of just want to make sure that everybody uh, you know has that understanding. You're not the first person on the show, Austin, that that's shared that with us. So it's always good to hear. Um, and, the, and the second thing he said is is make sure that your audio matches your video. I love that quote. So make sure that you're walking and talking what you say you're going to do and don't just talk a lot. Ah, there you go. I like that. That's a good one, too. I've never heard it said that way. That's very nice. So another question I have for you, Austin, is, you know, with all your experience, both personal, because obviously you've overcome some significant struggles and professionally, what advice do you have for our viewers who are watching today? You know, ultimately, what we need to understand is that 80 percent 90% of what we do is controlled by our subconscious. So if you want to start doing and changing the way that you are acting or getting things done, it starts with, like you said, believing it inside yourself first. So what I would suggest is I think affirmations are amazing. Create a set that you hold dear to your heart. And as you say those to yourself repeatedly through in the morning or at night, you are going to start becoming these things that you're saying to yourself because just like you said, what you say, you become. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll tell everybody something. Being in the position I'm in, being able to interview so many successful people, I hear the same things over and over again, which I feel very fortunate for. And I kind of want to condense them right now and just say that everything Austin is saying, it's not original. It's not new. Every successful Mm -hmm. person I talk to echoes those same sentiments. Beliefs in your mind are what create your reality. If you want to believe something, if you want to do something, if you want to succeed at something, create that affirmation. Put it in your head first. I think that's incredible. And Austin, again, it's great to hear you echoing the things that that many other successful guests have shared. So look, we've got you know maybe about six minutes left, seven minutes left on the show. Let's flip it around a little bit. Give me some jabs, man. Sure. Ask me some questions. What do, you, what do you want to talk about? So when you... I'd be curious to see what you think is the number one issue when you see a brand new broker come in. Let's say he came from single family, he moves into commercial. What is the number one mistake that you see? Perfect. Yeah, it's super simple. Not having a mentor. Okay. Having a mentor and having proper courses and material to work through is essential. And just as a little aside, myself and a good friend who you actually know, Zach Racinger, we've created the CRE Pro course, which you can find more out about at www.creprocourse.com, or you can just reach out to me or to Zach. That course is designed to give people the tools for success in becoming a commercial real estate broker. And one of the things that we offer is a mentorship program. And Austin, the reason we put this together is simply because people are reaching out over the last few years, asking for help, asking how to make the transition. And we said, you know what? If people come, we got to build it. And that's why we put this course together. So I would say the number one thing is having a great mentor and having the proper support materials. 
if you had a crystal ball for the next five years, now we don't know where the economy is going to go. What type of asset would you invest in retail or would you invest in, you know, small multifamily? Like, where do you think? Because everybody says, you know, if you read the headlines, you know, retail's dead. I don't think that's the case. But. Yeah, so I'm a major pivoter, so I would just kind of pivot actively in the in the near term to build a portfolio that's very robust. So what I would do right now is I would acquire hospitality because I believe hospitality right now you can buy hotels for pennies on the dollar. I might even consider some conversions of that hospitality to housing units, okay? I would look at mobile home parks. I think that there's tremendous opportunity there. I would keep my eye on multifamily. Now there's an interesting what I call an what I deem to be an, an impending bloodbath in multifamily because of the fact that there's been, you know, so many uh, states and so many ordinances across the country with you know um, eviction moratoriums and 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 the ability for tenants to not pay rent, but now the landlords have to pay their mortgage. So I think that in the near term, there's going to be tremendous opportunities in multifamily. Uh, at the same time, I would definitely solidify and ground my portfolio with net lease. Okay, things like quick service restaurant with a drive-through, things like industrial properties like fulfillment centers and last mile last mile fulfillment centers and cold storage. So I'd really Anchor the portfolio in those stable assets, um, and then you know at, at the same time, I would uh, I would also probably look at some value add multi tenant as well. Maybe purchase some strip centers that are at 80 percent occupancy. Maybe you know change over some uses of some of the vacant bigger boxes. Get them up to you know a higher occupancy, higher cash flows. Bring my rents up to market, and then hold those for cash flow as well. And I think with that strategy, I mean I would be set for sure. And I have a question for you because it's something interesting. You know, in multifamily, you kind of have to have your team together, your reputation yep. to close deals, right? Yep. So there's a lot of young dudes out there that have done a lot of real estate investing that want to get in the commercial space, either be development or retail. You as a broker, some of these guys you probably shoe off like you're not ready. You know, you got to get your stuff together. So if it's a young guy and he's ready to step up his game, what are you looking from him to be able to represent to know he's the real deal? Yeah, great question. I mean, first of all, I do mostly seller rep for that reason. You know, I love to hustle and get listings and, and you know, work up a strong relationship with my client, do all the research I need to to price the property and then hustle it and get it sold for top dollar as quickly and easily as possible for my client. Now, if that client happens to be somebody that wants to buy additional property, happy to help them. Typically, when somebody comes to me on the buy side, unless I know them or unless I've done a deal with them or unless they've been referred to me, right, um, you know, I really vet them strongly. So that's a great question. You know, I want to see a few things. Number one, I want to see a history if possible, right? I want to know if you closed other deals. Number two, I want to know that if you tell me you want ABC, you know, XYZ and I bring you ABC, XYZ, are you going to close, right? Or are you just there to waste my time. Just being 100% frank with you. So, you know, I'm very weary uh, doing buy-side rep, and I do do my due diligence, and I do screen very heavily uh, to make sure that that we're going to work together and that it's going to be a good usage of everyone's time. Because, you know, I'm a hustler, I'm a hard worker, and my time's valuable just like yours is. So I need to make sure that we're on the same page. 100%. And I think that's, that's, that's not something that enough people talk about, is that you have to present, like, when you're ready to go, you better be ready to go. Yeah, and if you're not ready to go, just just be honest. Just say I'm not ready to go. I'm just looking to learn. And if I have time, I'll help you 100. percent But but it's it's all about transparency and it's all about being open and honest. 100 percent for sure. How much time we got? 
Uh, we got about a minute and a half. So the question that I have to ask is, does when you wake up in the morning, is your hair just like that already, <laughs> or do you have to slick it up? No, this is how it is, man. It doesn't move. It stays like that. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, I had short hair for a, forever, and I just what happened was all the barbers were closed in Michigan for six months, and I grew it out. But no, if I had nothing in my hair right now, I would literally look like Krusty the Clown. So that's a good question. Well, one last one last question. Yeah, because you've done deals in Detroit, correct? Yes. Did you know it was going to come back, or, or was or was there some years where you were like, this? I don't know if it's ever going to come back. So I got into Detroit early. Like, I was flipping in Detroit before it was a sexy thing to do. Um, and, in fact, I had a guest here, an incredible guest here um, earlier. And, um, you know, I helped him to get into Detroit. A lot of my colleagues were like, Dan, Detroit? No way. Detroit was a four-letter word for years. And, you know, I just saw the market really drying up in the suburbs. And an interesting fact, we'll close with this. The city of Detroit is about seven or eight years behind the rest of the country in the foreclosure crisis. So when I got in, right, the things that were happening in 08, 09, 10 were happening in Detroit. So I was able to kind of collect my experience flipping initially in the suburbs and apply it to the city of Detroit. I love it. Austin Linney, thank you so much for joining us. Mad props for all your success. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Yep. I'm Dan Lukowitz. This has been another incredible episode of Dan on Top. We'll see you soon.